Well, that's a mighty kind welcome. One of our habits at Rock Creek Fellowship before preaching is in recognition of the fact that listening is not a passive enterprise like watching YouTube videos or scrolling Instagram, but it's an active enterprise that requires your imagination, requires your listening, and that ain't easy. We have lots of defenses that we set up, and we have lots of ways of misconstruing what comes at us. So I want to give you a chance, just a moment of quiet, if you want, to ask God that he might give you what I heard one woman say, an encouraging whisper from a gentle voice that might soothe you in the ways you need to help you thrive in the ways you long for. Lord, would you let me hear a gentle whisper from a kind voice that will help soothe me in the ways I need so I may thrive in the ways I long for. Take a moment. Oh, Lord, hear your dear people as they ask for your curative help. Lord, it is probably for us an uncomfortable length of silence. But we nevertheless endure it because there's something in us, a hunger that you have crafted that makes us feel like we're starving for more of you. Will you this morning Set us free from every imprisoning thought, habit, way of thinking that keeps us confined in the gloomy dungeon of ourselves so that we might burst out into your vivid world with your affection teeming in us and your praise in our mouths. Come set us free from our prisons that we may praise your name. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Come. Amen. Many years ago, hopefully too many years ago to check on, I spoke here and I started my sermon with a a little rap because as you would imagine, I'm quite a rapster. I did a little Eminem. It was rated G, and it was bad, but I was humored by a participating crowd. This, this year, perhaps, as I've gotten a little older, I can't pull off those things anymore, as if I could in the first place. I wanted to share something that captured me when I was about your age 
And one of the things you'll learn is that the music you come to love about right now, for a great many of you, you're going to be stuck. You'll never like any other music again except the music you like now. And if you have kids, they'll introduce you to stuff and you'll think, yes, that's okay. But man, did you know that music? When, yeah. And then you, your kids will roll their eyes at you. But this fellow named Dave Wilcox sang this little ditty that has lodged in my mind. <clears throat> I'm having a little throat trouble today, so it won't come out just right. That'll be my excuse. But he says to a beloved, If I had a spell of magic, I would make this enchantment for you. A burgundy heart-shaped medallion with a window that you could look through so that when all the mirrors are angry with your faults and all you must do, you could peek through that heart-shaped medallion and see you from my point of view. If I had a spell of magic, I would make this enchantment for you, a burgundy heart-shaped medallion with a window that you could look through so that when all the mirrors are angry with your faults and all you must do, you could peek through that heart-shaped medallion and see you from my point of view. And whether he meant to or not, I think that Dave Wilcox, who if you don't know him, look him up. There's streaming services now where you can find things. It's on the interwebs or something. Has given us a secret to how you can not let yourself be ruined by yourself. He's given us a secret for how you can be emancipated from what I described earlier using Malcolm Muggeridge's word, the gloomy dungeon of yourself. You see, I'm assuming that some of you have this, well, let's just say a friend. You got a friend somewhere who every time you're around them, they're constantly apologizing, it seems, just for being alive. Well, that's how you could characterize it. You're out playing tennis with them. They mess up. Oh, sorry, sorry. They do it again. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. They make a bad pass. They come and apologize to you after a conversation. I'm sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't want you to be so sorry. And there's a part of you, isn't there? Now, you might be that person. We can talk about that person later because I am that person. But I also know what it's like to not be that person. And when you look at somebody that is like that, when you look at your friends, aren't there people that you adore, people who you look at, and they, they feel so crummy about themselves? They're so harsh. They have these castigating voices, these finger-wagging judgments inside them. And it's just a cloud of doom inside. And you wish 
that you could say to them, I want you to know how magnificent I think you are. Do you know how beautiful you are? Do you know how happy it makes me feel when you walk in the room? Do you know what comfort it brings me when we get to go hang out and eat a meal together? And you wish somehow you could convey all the fullness you have for them to them and that they could receive it. I once met this man, one of the few men that I've met who's considerably larger than I am, and I don't know, it's probably slimming up here, but I'm a, not a tiny fellow. This man is so big, he made me feel like I was a tiny little girl. And, or a tiny little boy, I should say. It doesn't, doesn't need to be gendered, sorry. But the... But he looked at me the first time, or one of the first few times I met him, and he, he surmised something about my countenance. Maybe the way I was carrying myself. Maybe the way that I was emanating something that I didn't even know. Too locked up inside of me to realize. And he looked at me with a piercing discomfort. Right through my soul. And said, why do I love you so much more than you do? And I said internally, because I didn't know what to say externally, can you please do more of that and can you please get away from me? <laughs> that is the most magnificent thing anybody's ever said to me. And by the way, can you please leave because I need to hide somewhere. The Apostle Paul in Romans 15 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. One of the things that you're going to have to figure out how to do. And I don't think this is a one-time thing. I think this is an aspirational thing. This is a permission-granted sort of thing. This is a getting yourself re-won over every day kind of thing. Rick Bragg has said that he has this dog, if you know Rick Bragg, a southern writer, a speckled beauty, he says. A wild-eyed, dysfunctional puppy who seems to forgot, he seems to forget every single day that he has been rescued and loved and brought home. And he has to be won over every single day. So you might have to be won over every single day. You might have to remind yourself of this every single day, but... These are the right instructions. These are the foundation for all of your spiritual growth. This is a secret for how you're going to be able to survive here at college where there's a thousand mirrors around you, where everybody you meet can be a, an occasion for you to feel judgment. Somebody's smarter than you, somebody's prettier than you, someone more athletic than you, more, has better things than you, or an occasion for you judging them because you think you're better than the, them and those things. 
And Paul says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He is speaking about this central feature of the Christian life that says, for some inexplicable reason, King Jesus looks at us, and in the sorting process at Hogwarts, he says, you are forgiven. You are welcomed. You are spotlessly righteous with my righteousness. You will not have your sins held against you. You are the object of my delight. You are someone who is pleasant to me, and I will never turn you away. You are held in the palm of my hand, and I will not let you go. We call this doctrine the doctrine of justification. You'll hear about it in Dr. Capic's class. The center, says Calvin, the hinge upon which true religion turns. And if you cannot accept Christ's acceptance of you, then you need to keep at it. Because central to your being able to function in an environment where you're being told, here's what a Christian should do. Here's what you ought to be like. Here's your calling in the world. To not get crushed by that. To not get crushed by the realization that there's all this muck in you. There are all these terrible thoughts in you that you fear might make Jesus have to take Tylenol because you make his head hurt. There are all these thoughts and all these judgments in you. And if you cannot accept with some amount of relief that Christ has accepted you, that your relationship is secure, that nothing's going to happen to it, that he's not going to cast you out, that whoever comes to him, he will never turn away because the ones who come to him are the ones he drew. Paul Tillich, you won't read him here and you shouldn't, famously said that faith is the courage to accept acceptance. That's a good line. To accept that Christ has accepted you, it takes some courage. You have to risk that it's true sometimes because your insides are going to be telling you at times, this couldn't possibly be true. I know too much about myself. But all growth in grace, says Gerald May, involves increasingly great risk-taking. And the biggest risk that you take from day to day is to risk to continue to believe, not the voices inside of you, but the voice of the one who tells you who you are and who tells you whose you are. This is the only way for you to mean it when you are asked, what is your only comfort in life and death? Your only comfort in life and death is that you belong, body and soul, to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is not a comfort if you don't think you belong to Him. And if you think that the voices inside of you that are condemning you, that are berating you, that are creating a mood, an atmosphere of condemnation, if you think those are the real things, there will be any comfort. You won't run to them. 
You'll try to stay away from them. So you've got to figure out how to learn to accept your acceptance in Christ. And when you start doing that, and ways to start doing that are starting to think things like this. You ever, you ever have a moment of judgment? I do it all the time. Where you just say, you, do, you, you make a mistake, you, you idiot. Some of you should look on the YouTube one day and find Chris Farley. Chris Farley was a legend. And he had this skit on Saturday Night Live where he would interview famous people. You get Mel Gibson, you know, like, who's Mel Gibson? He would interview famous people who were in the movies at the time, you know, movies. And he would say, hey, you remember, you, you remember in that movie when, when, when you hit that, when you hit that guy? And the, the famous movie star would say, well, I mean, well, yeah. And he'd say, that was awesome. And then he would realize what a stupid question he had just asked. And off to the side, he would stupid, stupid, and he would pummel himself internally and externally. Stupid idiot. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on in us. And one of the things that Christ's acceptance of you means, if he really accepts you, if he meant it when he said to his father in his dying wish in John 17 for unity and that he said, I'm going to reveal you to them. I'm going to keep revealing you to them because I want the love that you have for me to be in them and I myself to be in them. If you believe that he wants that, you believe that he's working that, you believe that you've been accepted because he really does love you, then what business have you got judging the self that Christ refuses to judge? What business have you got hating the self that Christ adores? What business have you got being impatient and harsh and rude to the one who treats you with unlimited patience. It'll change the whole tone of your life if you start to labor to receive these realities. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen by yourself, but some of it happens by yourself. Some of it happens in prayer. Some of it happens in meditation, and some of it happens with each other. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Paul envisions Christ accepting us and then us becoming a kind of community where we, therefore, welcome each other because we've been welcomed, where we receive each other in spite of it all as we've been received in spite of it all where we show a kind of tenderness and affection to one another, even in annoyance, because we have similarly been received. And one of the things that you'll notice is that the beloved Apostle John, who said God's love is made complete in us as we love one another, that there are certain things that you'll 
start to realize about Jesus, even if you don't totally feel him yourself, if you say, I'm going to show them acceptance because that's what I'd like to know too. I'm going to show them compassion because I'd like to know that as well. You start to show the thing that you know is true, but you may not feel it all the way. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. A few weeks ago, sorry Rock Creekers, you may have heard this story. We were sending off some college kids. My kids, one's graduated and one has just gone off to college. Some of you know them. And advice was being parceled out to them in a group that we have. We were blessing them, praying for them, giving advice to them. And I loved the advice. I thought it was great. It was wise, it was tender, it was affirming. It's the result of a community of people who've been shaped by Jesus' words and ways and each other. And when it got to be my time to talk as is my want, I thought I got to pull out the most profound thing at all of all. Just kidding. Well, no, I did probably think that. That's because you know there's a battle going on. But I said to them, and I leave this with you. There are going to be days when you don't take all this advice that you were just given. There are going to be times when you want to have taken this advice and you find yourself having not done it. There are going to be times when you're going to have to deal with the fact, when you look in the mirror, that you find yourself to be a colossal disappointment. And in those moments, you're going to have to figure out what to do. One of your signature moves will likely be to assume that the disappointment and the disgust that you feel for yourself is shared by Jesus for you. You won't be thinking of the burgundy heart-shaped medallion where you learn to see you from his point of view. You'll be seeing you from your point of view and think he must share your point of view. And then I mentioned this story. So here's what you can do, I said. There's a story of a, of a prostitute. Well, someone who had been a prostitute by necessity, who had grown up an orphan, who had had a life of violence, degradation, violence against her, degradation against her, had made choices that were odious and shameful, and she was overcome by it. She had been an orphan in the world, quite literally, fending for herself and learned there was no one to trust. She was asked once, who do you trust? She said, I don't trust nobody. And she was told, well, then it's no wonder you're so tired. It's no wonder you're so exhausted. You don't trust nobody. Well, this woman, her name is Lila, Mary Lynn Robinson's book, she meets this pastor who's in his 70s, and he 
inexplicably just adores her. He likes her. He loves her. He thinks she's fantastic. He overlooks her past. He takes away her disgrace with his welcome and his gracious manner and acceptance. They get married and she's pregnant, something she never thought would happen. And one day she has a moment where she's talking to this baby in her womb. And she's rifling through the memories of her life and trying to make it match with what's happening right now. She's about to be a mother and she is married to this man and she looks at this baby, yet unborn, and says, that old man loves me and I've got to figure out what to do about that. She has come to a place where she realizes the fundamental thing for me is, do I get saved by the love that I trust or do I stiff arm it and try to go it alone? That man loves me and I've got to figure out what to do about that. King Jesus not only loves you, he also likes you. And that's why he accepts you. And that's why you can accept yourself. And that's why you can accept each other. And the big question put to us every second when we're looking for repair, every second when we look for relief, every second when we're looking for how we can tend to each other well is, what am I going to do in response to this great rainbow that is over my life, that I am an adored person. And I can't make him not adore me. But I can resist it. And I can run from it. Or I can receive it. I hope you'll choose over and over to receive let's pray Jesus pour out your spirit a spirit of wisdom and revelation and release to our suspicious hearts a full brilliant conveyance of your heart healing love for each of us Oh, convince us, convince us, convince us, and then use us to convince others. In Jesus' name, amen.